Hey everybody, Jimmy Smith unlocking the cage on today's podcast. I sit down with UFC featherweight Brian Ortega about his upcoming match with Yair Rodriguez and his lack of preparation early on in his career. Also, Amanda Serrano, she is headlining Madison Square Garden. She talks to me about her fight and women's boxing, the state of it now. Brian Ortega taking on Yair Rodriguez this weekend, UFC on ABC3. Great to have you, man. Thanks for joining us, bud. No, thank you for having me, man. It's uh, hey, it's an honor to uh, <laughs> to speak and talk a little bit more about what we're doing, who we are, you know? Yeah, totally, man. So, so first off, Yair Rodriguez, man, is is one of those guys where the, his central component that that is – you have to prepare for, prepare for, but it's hard to prepare for. Guy's unpredictable. You know, it seemed like Korean Zombie had him dead to rights, and then he threw an elbow that I couldn't simulate right now without an opponent in front of me. It would take me, you know, it would take me 10 minutes to figure out that elbow without breaking my own spine. That ability to just change things up with his, his unorthodox style, man. How do you prepare for that? Um, You just get the best. You, you try to figure out who is who in in the local uh fight region right where i'm at and who's the top guys that that are there and uh people who are well at imitating people you know and i like i said at the end of the day you can't really emulate anyone because they are their own special unique person but you can tell them to to watch things over and over and over again and give you the best looks possible you know And, and we had a lot of partners this training camp who you know, to me, it seemed like I was fighting Yair every day. You know, that's that was these guys did a great job at doing that. They they from the elbows to the unorthodoxness to to switching the southpaw to everything. These guys were were just freaking just crazy. I would call it right. Just no technique. Yeah. Not not that there was no technique, but it's just things you you're not accustomed to normally seeing. What about that that off-tempo kind of style? He's one of those guys that I say he fights in between, where when you take a break, you think, okay, you know, combination, take a rest. That's when he attacks. He has this really like, like off-rhythm kind of timing. So is it, is it about staying ready, you know, the, the entire time? It's a five-round fight. Is it about staying tense and prepared the entire time? Because he tends to catch his, guy, catch his opponents when they have these, like, mental breaks. So they take a little break. Was not taking that break part of the training? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, the ability to be able to be nonstop for five rounds at five minutes was insane. Um, it, it was insane, and we trained for that every single day. We made sure that we got that I got pushed um, to what almost seems like I was just like asking for a little break. Like, yeah. hey man, where is my mental break? Where? Come on, give me like a little thirty seconds to just dance around and whew, catch my breath yeah. a little bit. But they're like, nope, we got to learn how to breathe and relax in the chaos. And that's uh, kind of what we've been trying to work on and, and implement this this time. Is it difficult? Of course, I'm speaking to Brian Ortega, standout UFC featherweight. You've been in the game a long time, man. First fight was in 2010. Coming on, you know. 12 years you've been doing this um every time you go into camp or go into training as you said like even i was going man i need a break here is it is it hard to kind of find that new edge and and not we all do it you know you fall back on the techniques you know you fall back on the things you're comfortable with in the years you've been in the game you're comfortable with so much of this 
you know, all, so many mixed martial arts techniques, so many jujitsu techniques, is it hard to kind of like almost push yourself and find that new edge in every camp? Not really, because um, every new camp is a new opponent, right? And every time you have a new opponent, there's new fears, and and there's new concerns, and there's new there there's it's it's a completely different person. So you got to at least me, right? The way my mentality is is I have to go in there and I have to be the best at anything that I, that can happen. And what is my game plan? What is what I have to do? And I make sure that I do it. It's simple as that. If it's losing, if I suck at uh, Taekwondo, I'm like, I'm going to get my ass kicked in Taekwondo until I figure this out. If it's, you know, Muay Thai, it depends on who I'm fighting, right? So I go in there and it's like, all right, I learn the art and I, I in, in involve myself in it, put myself in their shoes, how they are, how great they are. And then I, I go to my game plan and implement that. And uh, and we just get to work. And honestly, for me, the more I get to work, the more I go in there and and learn new things and catch it while I'm training and do it while while it's live. And you're like, holy shit! This like you feel like a beginner again. And there's no such to me. There's no greater feeling in the world than than being a beginner again, because that's when you have the most fun. And if I, if I'm gonna be about my job. I better have fun doing it, you know, and I'm having the most fun doing it right now, you know, which is training, learning, uh, getting grinded out in, in certain situations and certain aspects of the game that I never thought that existed. And now I'm like, they're all new realities and it's, it's, it's dope, man. It's, it's cool as fuck, you know, like you're in there and just to feel new again, it makes you have that original spark that you once had when you first started. Do people forget about that? Because it's like, you know, when, when you're training, oh, camps suck, man. They suck. And fighting five guys in a row, they come in and you don't get a break. And aren't we like, we've all been through that and it sucks. But, you know, you got to find the fun. You know, you're an yes. athletic guy. You're a good looking guy. You're an articulate guy. You do a lot of stuff with your weekends. You do a lot of sports and you would have been good at them or whatever. You chose to do this. And I try to remind people when I'm training them, like, hey, you could be out playing volleyball. You're here on a sweaty mat. So you, you must like it. There must be some part of this that brings you joy. Do you think professional fighters, especially guys with your experience, lose that joy or forget that joy, that it's a job? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It, yeah. It's happened to me. It literally happened to me for, I want to say, for two years, you know, and I was winning, and I would, I would fight, and I would win, and I just like, like, all right, cool, my job's done, like, let me go back to life, and I want to go eat Jack and Box, I want to go eat this, I want to go on vacation, I want to go surfing, I want to be a beach bum, uh, like, I would go back to enjoying my life as I called it, and it wasn't till I lost. Then it made me reassess everything. And when I reassessed everything, that's when I said, dude, I fucking suck. Like, really? This, like, I suck. I, like, I thought I was good because I was winning. But then, oh, like, these guys at the top, they're a different level. They're doing other things. What are they doing? What am I missing? I, I got the, I have the, the, the skills right now to be a UFC fighter, but. I don't have the skills nor the discipline or the consistency to to be at the top. And if I got to do that, I have to change a lot of things about my life. And that was and a Holloway so, fight. That yeah. Made you think that. Yeah. 
And after that, I said, holy, oh, like, wow, there's wrestling exists. <laughs> Muay, Muay Thai exists. Uh, you know, like, yeah, I know it sounds stupid, but uh, I had no idea none of this existed. I was training in the garage. I would just really? hit the bag, do a couple mitts, lift some weights, wake up, like, <clears throat> not have no nutrition, pre-workout for breakfast. And it was just like, let's fucking go. And then it was like 14 and oh, and you were training in a garage. Yeah, all the way to, to the title. That's what people don't understand. But I love to me, I was having fun right at the time. But I got so many fights and so many camps there, and, and so many ways that I did that for so long that I was good at what I was doing. I wasn't losing. You know, I, I would have partners that I would, I can beat, and, and I would train with people at weird hours, and everything was on Brian's world. You know, I literally lived in yeah. Brian's world. And uh, it was, I would wake up at 12 in the afternoon and just like pre-workout. And then it's like, my body's telling me we should do a couple weights. I feel weak right now. And I'll do some weights. And then it's like, I would finish a weight session. I go, well, now I'm stiff. Let me loosen up. I got to do some boxing. Let me hit the back for 10 rounds. And all right, I'm good. What do I eat? Taco Bell or let's go whatever. Let's go let's go eat some uh Subway, Denny's, it didn't matter. And then after that I was like, all right, let me take a nap. And what do I feel like doing again? It's nine o'clock at night. Ah, let's go to UFC gym. Let's go just fuck around. All right, and go over there and just I don't know, just whatever you can think of. Ah, you know, my stomach sucks. Let me do some abs. And my back feels weak. Let me do a little bit of back. And it was just nobody was, was telling like, you what to do. No, no central coach going, hey, this, this, and that, writing stuff down, measuring no, stuff. It, it, no, none of that. None of that existed. None of that existed. The coach at the time was just like, you're working, so you're good. Uh, Dude, I'm so pissed you're this talented. I swear to God, I swear to God, bro. I when I was fighting, I was disciplined. I was all this stuff because I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to get my ass kicked. And you got, we got a fourteen and zero training in the garage. Looking back on that, is it as stunning to you as it is to me? It is, man. It is. And, and, and fuck, I don't know how I made. It. I don't know how I did it, bro. I don't know how I did it. I, I would just go in there and I would, like the entire world, they're like, where the fuck does Brian train? We never see him anywhere. All the local fighters, like, uh, at gyms there, they're like, yo, come and spar. I'm like, yeah, 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 for sure. I was like, and then I'll talk to the owners. Like, hey, can I have the keys? Uh, I'll come in, like, at midnight. Like, what? Oh, yeah, I'll do my sparring at midnight. They're like, all right. <laughs> so I would open up the gym late at night and, like, 10 o'clock at night, 10, 30 o'clock at night. And we all start fucking around and you know, all the homies, all the homies would be there and all my friends and turn into a party. And then since it was kind of like a party in there, I just invite my dad. I say, Hey man, bring out the barbecue out and just start cooking for everyone. And let's just every, every Saturday spar sessions is make them parties, you know, like, let's just have fun. <laughs> and and me, I was like, this is me being professional. Right. And then I hit up my homie from, from the meat market. I'm like, yo, give them my dad, hook my dad with some meat. And, uh, by the way, folks, this is totally a Southern California thing, by the way. This is not weird at all if, you, if, if you're from Southern California that everything becomes a barbecue or a cookout. That, that's yeah. not weird. I just want to let everybody know that. 
And that's what it was, bro. Literally like 15, 20, 30 people would show up. Jesus. And I would have five guys and, you know, like some were good, some weren't not that good, whatever. But we would just spar. And uh, it's, it wasn't even MMA sparring sometimes. We're just like, hey, just put the gloves on and let's throw them. That's it. And then as long as I did five rounds and I had conditioning to fight these guys for five rounds and we barbecue after, I was good to go. And it it it, it was hard work. I did work hard, you know, like yeah. I did I do I did crazy workouts that even till this day, like if I put people through them, professional athletes, they'll they'll fucking they'll they won't be able to do it. And um I made myself do it, you know. I put like, oh here's you know, 230 steps or whatever. Like, let me run it up 10 times nonstop. Like, let's do this. And then it's but like, things, all right. Well, but things have to be different now for, for, for this. No, for sure. Everything's my life changed after that fight with all the way. Uh, people left me and kind of showed their true colors again, like towards me. And then I was like, oh, okay. Like, some of them I didn't give a fuck, you know, and some I did and it hurt. And then after that, I was like, man, I got to assess my life and what do I have to do? And sure enough, they're like, well, what do you think about nutrition, champ? Like, you know, you can't just always eat junk food and just whatever you want to eat. Right. And I'm like, all right. And then it's like, you know, you need to act, you know, boxing coaching. You know, you need a wrestling coach and you know, you need a you know, jujitsu has always been good because I had a great jujitsu coach and, and our relationship, my relationship with Henner. But yeah. other than that, anything, anything else on that, it was, I was just making it up. I would go to places and try to learn and I would end up not liking a coach or not a fighter wouldn't like me or something. And I was damn. like, damn. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Brian Ortega this weekend against Yair Rodriguez. Best of luck with the fight, man. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Amanda Serrano, her upcoming fight, Brenda Carbajal, is going to be at Madison Square Garden defending the WBC, WBO, and IBO female featherweight titles. She is joining us now. How are you doing, Amanda? Thank you so much. I know. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Doing very, very well. So what does it mean? Because it's, it's like it's I, I wouldn't say it's overused, but it seems like you hear it all the time. It's your second time there. It's it's. It, Madison Square Garden, right? The mecca of combat sports, the greatest combat sports venue in the world. That are the home of boxing, and like we all have these incredibly fond memories of watching it in boxing and pro wrestling and everything. It's, it's the home of combat sports. What does it mean when they say, "Yeah, you're fighting in Madison Square Garden"? It still have that juice for you? You know what? Experiencing that for the the first time, my last fight. I, I never been to the garden. I never fought at the garden in the big theater. And the, me headlining that for the first time, I was like, now I understand why people say they love to fight at the garden. The, it was incredible. To this day, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. The fans, the arena, the people at the garden were truly the best ever. It was so loud. 
And we couldn't even hear the bell at times. It was super cool. I couldn't even hear my corner. <laughs> That's how loud it was. So, so were there new nerves? I'm very curious about this. In the Katie Taylor fight, which was your last fight, as you said, headlining Madison Square Garden, that's your 45th professional fight. You've been through it all. You fought everybody. You fought everywhere. But there was still that edge of nerves. It was like there was, there was still more to be experienced. Did that surprise you? You know what? I, I, I get nervous for every fight. It's just a natural feeling. But I yeah. was super blessed to have fought um, in big arenas. My last two fights prior to the Katie Taylor fight with, with Jake Paul. And that really got me a step forward to experiencing that. But, you know, everyone told me, a lot of people were telling me to enjoy every minute of this fight. And I, and I honestly, I did for this fight. I enjoyed when the lead up to the fight, uh, everything to it. It was just an amazing event. It wasn't even a fight. It was just an amazing event. So I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, a lot of people, when, when, when they fight, when we were discussing, obviously, uh, Jake Paul and Conor McGregor going back and forth, your manager going back and forth with Conor McGregor <laughs> is a big story, but a lot of people who fight Conor McGregor talk about they weren't ready, not necessarily for the fight itself, tactically, it was... I'm not used to that much press. I'm not used to a press conference with full of people. I'm not used to all these microphones in my face. And it kind of like freaked them out the lead up to the fight. Conor McGregor thrives in that environment. He loves that stuff. Other fighters don't. They're not used to that. In that Katie Taylor fight, headlining Madison Square Garden, did you find it exciting, all the attention and all the press, or was it a little bit of a drain? I'm very curious about that. It, it definitely was a little little drain because it was the first time ever where we did a press conference in London. And I was I had to take time off of training to go to London to, to do the press conference. And then the lead up to the fight, it was just a lot of like constant interviews there, interview there. So that was something new to me. I know it comes with the territory, but I'm a fighter and I've been a fighter from the very beginning. And that's what I love to do. I love to fight. So this is something new for me, um, but me, I'd rather just be in the gym and, and getting punched in the face <laughs> and, and just going out and come fight night and do what I do best. Uh, speaking, of course, to Amanda Serrano, she's taking on uh, Brenda Carbajal at Madison Square Garden August 6th, defending the WBC, WBO, and IBO female featherweight titles. What do you think of Carbajal as an opponent? What do you think she brings that, that maybe you haven't seen in your last few opponents? You know, honestly, I really don't know much about her. I know she's um, my mandatory. So um, I know she's uh, she's the WBO interim in, um, champion. So yeah. I know she's a female. She's going to come to fight. She wants something that I, I have. I have the belts and, and she's going to come and give it her all, which I think every girl does. And that's it. I mean, she's she's just going to come and try to take my titles, but it's not it's not going to happen. <laughs> Is, is there a difference in mentality between the hunger to become champion and the hunger to stay champion? We've seen a lot of great fighters. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I remember like Riddick Bowe. I remember Buster Douglas. I remember all these people who had great performances once and then didn't really have the hunger to stay champion. Is it a different kind of hunger once you're on top or does it feel the same to you? No, it, I'm hungry either way. I mean, you know, it, it's it's hard to get it and it's harder to, to, to keep it. And, and once you have that, once you work so hard to gain it, you don't want to let it go easy. So and you just work harder every every day. I'm in the gym and I training like if I'm the challenger because, you know, I want to make sure that I'm maintaining that champion status. And those are my belts that I work super hard for. 
Um, what's it like being kind of the hunted after your come up and all the fights you've had and, and, and kind of working for the respect that you have now where everyone in boxing knows Amanda Serrano. You don't have to explain who you are, what you're doing. You know, Katie Taylor was one of the greatest fights, uh, certainly the greatest female boxing match of all time, but a, an absolutely fantastic fight. Um, what's it like to kind of have the notoriety now and have people coming after you in a way that, that you were chasing for so many years? It's super cool, but I would really like it if they come and in my division. <laughs> I've only had to go up and, and right. they want to fight me. And it's not like, you know, Mayweather, They everyone goes to Mayweather's division. But, you know, it it is what it is. I guess I'm the, the money cow now, but... Yeah. <laughs> if you come to 126, I'm here for you. <laughs> so, so talk a little bit about that. People don't really understand if you if you don't follow boxing. Um, you know, you, you speak about Floyd Mayweather. Um, he's really a natural lightweight, maybe junior welterweight, 140 ish. He went up to 147 because that's where the big money fights are. You know, they tend to be in the welterweight division, etc. So. Boxers always have to move up or down or whatever it is to find, as you said, the money fighter or get in that division, let's say middleweight, welterweight, where there's a lot of marquee talent. Um, what does that take out of you as a pro? Does it take anything out of you having, as you said, to, to, to gain the weight, to lose the weight, to do whatever it does, to, to, to go wherever you need to be to make the money? How much does it take out of you as a pro? You know, I think probably one of the worst things that I'm a seven division world champion. So everybody thinks I can go just like it's so easy. I can go just to any division and fight any division. But um, no, I mean, yeah, I'm in a great like two two divisions, like where there's a lot of great talent. Like, yes, I can go up and down. But, you know, I'm a legitimate featherweight. I feel greater and stronger at featherweight. That's why I want to campaign and become undisputed at featherweight. And I mean, in, in in the past, I had to go where the opportunities were. That's why I I'm, I'm have so many um, champions in different divisions. But now I feel like I'm comfortable at 126, and now I have a team that can provide that for me and give me the fights I need at featherweight. Uh, speaking of team, and I'm speaking, of course, to Amanda Serrano, pro boxer, uh, world champion extraordinaire, she will tell you. Um <laughs> Having Jake Paul uh, as a manager, not only did it bring a lot of visibility, you headline Madison Square Garden. It's it's it really feels like the the visibility you've gotten and the management he's done and the money you've made has really taken you to that next level. Uh, what has that been like assembling this team and including Jake Paul? And how has it worked out for you? Oh man, it's been the best experience working with with Jake. You know, he brings something different to the table. I'm not. I don't own a cell phone. I'm not a social media person. Like I'm not, you know, a YouTuber. I don't do stuff like that. But I, I, I enjoy to see him as a as a fighter, and that's something that we can work together on and, and become fighter. He's, he's, you know, he's been teaching me things about social media and how well it helps us. But you know, Jake's, um, he's a, he's, he's pushing for women's boxing, and and I'm glad that I'm on his team. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to the future. Do you believe the the Katie Taylor fight, which got so many eyeballs, Madison Square Garden main event, it, it was historic. Do you think that was kind of like the 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 a door opening up for for women's boxing? That had been oh. at the fringe. There had been other things that kind of got us there. Nothing got us there like you and Katie Taylor, two top level professionals, had an incredibly exciting fight. First off, do you believe that opened up a big door for women's boxing? I definitely do. I mean, we're so we surpassed all expectations for that fight. You know, it was just 
it was just an amazing event and i think it opened the door it looks like slammed the, opened the doors for for other <laughs> champions to to come in and, and fight um d- did you feel that pressure um cuz before certain historic fights and 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 however long you've been a been a fan i'm a lot older than you are but when before those big fights there's almost this sense of we knew history was coming we knew being, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns that we had to have a historic fight. We knew Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, we had to have a historic fight. Did you feel any pressure against Kitty Taylor to have, as you said, the historic fight? Not just win, not just this, but have a historic performance people would remember. You know, I don't know too much pressure because I'm a great fighter and Katie is a great fighter. So I think our our legacy, our talent, our everything that we've done in the sport of boxing was going to put that in, in that fight in, in that night because we're great fighters. So I think, um, yeah, if you would have put us anywhere else, we would have done the same thing. Uh, that idea that that you're going to bring it every single time, it doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter what the, what, what the stage is, is that the same mentality for the Brenda Carvajal? I've talked to certain fighters who – um, uh, after a fight like the Katie Taylor fight that had so many eyeballs and, as you said, so historic, there's always that come down. There's always that, we call them trap fights, where somebody doesn't necessarily p- perform as well as they, they could. In the Brenda Carbajal fight, you said you have the same fire to get ready and the same fire to perform in this fight? Of course. I mean, especially yeah, I didn't get the decision the last fight, so I'm like... Okay, now you can't leave it to the judges, so you have to go out full force. And I'm like, I'm my first, my first loss. I after that, I went ten fights, no, no decision, all knockouts. So I guess we have to start all over again with that, <laughs> with that mindset. Well, well, so far, every time I've seen you, Amanda, you have been entertaining to the nth degree. I'm really happy about everything you've done for women's boxing. And I say your next one, August 6th against Brenda Carbajal. I expect another amazing fight. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Nothing less than that. Thank you so much. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.